Limitless Wrestling fans, it's another edition of the Limitless Wrestling Podcast coming to your ears wherever you may get it. John Alba here in the Zod of Limitless Wrestling, Mr. Randy Carver. It's been a couple weeks, Randy. I know you've been super busy getting the road together, and we're going to talk all about that here on this edition of the Limitless Wrestling Podcast. I assume that's pretty much taken up all your time. Yeah, a good majority of it, but it's uh, it's honestly very nice to have something fresh and new to do in the world of Limitless Wrestling because before, we've been really just kind of looking back at the content that we've created or the shows that we've done and uh, seeing what hasn't been out there or what new stuff we can get out there. So this presented a new opportunity for us and not only us, but the wrestlers involved with it as, as well to just kind of hit the ground running again and just try some new things and um at least get some new content out there to the world of limitless wrestling so it's an exciting time uh it was good to do some uh some new stuff and we'll talk about that in a minute but uh, i know you've been busy as well you've been uh well, jumping back in the commentation station a little bit the commentation station yes uh yeah we uh, uh last time we talked we did the watch along for the mainstay posse work horseman match and J.D. Drake was a part of that, and I got to call his match over at Synergy Wrestling and called that show on Fight TV, and it was an absolute blast. It was really, really fun. Your boy, Brandon Kirk, uh, definitely not one of the more beloved figures in Synergy Wrestling, if I may say. That's what I've heard. Yeah, he's uh, not the most well-liked guy around those parts. No, he's not, especially by Synergy Pro Wrestling's owner, Colin West. But it was a fun show, man. I got to tell you, you can go back and watch that show on Fight TV. There was not a bad match on that card. The worst It looked like an awesome card. The, the worst match was decent. And and that's that's saying something. It was really excellent. Uh Warhorse and AJ Gray did a 2 out of 3 falls match that you would love. And I love JD Drake and Tony Deppin. I thought they had an awesome match. I thought Matt Vertigo and KTB who we've seen in Limitless Wrestling before, was outstanding. And the main event, man, Jordan Oliver and LSG just absolutely killed it. Uh, that was an awesome show to call. That's good. Uh, and I think uh, Synergy is one of those promotions who we stay pretty tight with. So uh, I definitely think there's a chance for maybe a Limitless Synergy collaboration mm. down the line and uh, do something fun with them. But it looked like a really fun show. It's cool to see that uh, some promotions are able to get back to work and doing it the right way with, you know, safety in mind for the fans and performers alike. Yeah, and Colin West had nothing but great things to say about Limitless, as did a lot of the talent on the show, many of whom uh, have either worked Limitless or really want to work Limitless. So I think that's that's quite a statement, too, about the shop that you've got up there in New England. Uh, some of my favorite talent from it. Again, I thought Matt Vertigo was unbelievable. He was so impressive in his match against KTV. I thought Matt McIntosh was great. I think LSG has all the elements to be a big-time star in pro wrestling. And Jordan Oliver, man, I mean, the guy is in his lower 20s and is just, he, he seems like he's been a seven, eight-year vet. It's crazy. Yeah. I uh, I actually did go and look up some Matt Vertigo after you put him over to me. Yeah. And I think I watched three matches. I think one was against Eric Corvus. Uh, one actually featured Demoris, who we've seen in Limitless Wrestling. But 
really impressive. Uh, a really unique athlete, I think Matt Vertigo is. And uh, I was happy that you dropped the line about him. LSG, uh, I really enjoy too. I've been watching him for years. Mm-hmm. Um, back when he was a part of the professional revolution many years ago. But um, LSG, uh, age, Anthony Green is a big proponent of him and has put him over numerous times. And I think that um, with him kind of living somewhat near new england and now being a free agent for the time being i definitely yeah. think that if 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 and when limitless wrestling comes back soon uh, i think he'd be in the conversation i think he'd be a great fit in limitless uh, I, honestly i think pretty much any guy that was on that card would be a great fit in limitless i'm glad to hear you said that about matt vertigo the dude is like six five six six and is so athletic he's like a wide receiver in the NFL. Like, yeah, that's a very good way to put it, actually. He, he just, he's just so athletic and was about as nice as you could possibly be. So I, I, I was I was a big fan of his, and I was a big fan of the work they did in Synergy. And I don't know, man. I don't know if you've heard, but I have an Emmy, and apparently all the Synergy wrestling fans who are watching <laughs> that show on Fight TV learned that. Yeah, I, I would say so. I think <laughs> uh, I think a few people took exception to you having an Emmy and yeah. being happy about it. But Yeah, well... All I know is the the challenge has been put out there. And if you want to make this happen in a limitless ring, I'd be totally fine with that as well. But, you know, Chris Van Vliet, the world-renowned pro wrestling interviewer, has talked down to me and my sole Emmy, because he has four Emmys, whoop-de-doo. Oh! The challenge has been laid out by me, at least, Randy. Any promotion, any time, me and a partner versus he and a partner, Emmy versus emmy emmy on a pole uh not judy bagwell but okay we'll <laughs> yeah we can make it work but emmy versus emmy if you want to make that happen in a limitless ring I, I don't know part of me thinks i would have home field advantage in limitless and the other part of me is like absolutely not no way but <laughs> you realize how many heinous things you say on this podcast that people listen to every week <laughs> oh maybe that's okay. I think there's I think there's a soft spot. So it's we'll 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 see. But uh, yeah. if you want to make that happen, just just think about that. I've got his number. I can connect okay. you to. So, oh man, yes, it was a lot of fun though, man. I really did enjoy it, and I had a fun time calling play by play. You know, play by play, as you know, for pro wrestling is just. I mean, I don't I don't know because I I assume you've never done play by play for any other sport before. The only I actually did a little in high school for basketball, okay. but I I really didn't know what I was doing. Like I think wrestling is obviously a thing, and I think you would probably agree it's what I would feel most comfortable doing, just because I feel like that's where my greatest strength is well, um, as it pertains to the information that I need to convey. The point that I'm making about it is pro wrestling play by play is so different than sports play by play. Look, I've called games on ESPN, Fox Sports for actual sports and not no disrespect to pro wrestling, but you know, where, where there's not that element, but pro wrestling play by play is just so different because you're not only calling the action. You're also trying to tell a story of what is going on and you're trying to get wrestlers over. And sometimes you're given instructions of, Hey, during this match, this is what I need you talking about. This is what I need you to be emphasizing. And in, Pro sports, you obviously don't have to worry about any of those elements. There are storylines within games that you worry about, but your primary focus is calling the action. So I saw a prominent, um, and, and I will say, like, I'm always open to constructive criticism and everything, and, like, genuinely am. 
And the feedback I got from that show was overwhelmingly positive, which you almost never see from wrestling Twitter. But, but there was one prominent writer for a major outlet who was like, F this guy calling this show. Uh, you know, indie, indie commentators can, they don't have to be talking so much, all this stuff, blah, blah, blah. But like, in pro wrestling play-by-play, like a lot of times, and it's different for you because you are the promoter, but like, I'm given directions from the promoter to say, hey, this is what you need to be pushing in this. This is what you need to be doing to enhance this person's character or whatever it may be. And I feel like some people just don't necessarily understand that when they critique wrestling announcers. They don't um, because they haven't had that experience. They don't think that way. So uh, at at first glance, it probably comes off as, oh, this fucking John Alba guy is trying to get himself over while this match is going right. on. Um, and, you know, sometimes that that pulling back the curtain, that piece of everything is just lost in translation to a writer who. Um, I'm not taking any shots at him, but probably has not been in the business. Right. Um, probably has not, as you said, done any sort of commentary with any direction. Like I, I know how it goes because I, uh, when I was kind of phasing out uh, of ring announcing, I really wanted to do commentary wherever I could get bookings to do it. So uh, I got a lot of opportunities with Blitzkrieg Pro. Um, and I, I remember there would be specific, like it wasn't just Blitzkrieg, but other promotions you would get some specific directions sometimes of certain things to uh, look for or put over or uh, wait for this certain time frame to say this. And that it certainly does happen. So, I mean, I don't think, and I do it for fucking limitless well, shows. Right. Like I will, I'll, I'll write down at least a log of information for whoever I'm calling with just so they can have a clear grasp on who, you know, a debuting competitor is. But um, yeah, I mean, it all depends, but some places, uh, more than others are really trying to push, you know, say certain things here, certain things there, and that's just how they roll. Right, and like I've explained this to you, you and I have had this conversation in the past. I hate indie commentary. That's just like, oh my god, what a move! Yeah, like, like I, I don't, I don't like that stuff. I, I like having that preparation, and I mean, you can attest. You've seen my preparation. I, I'm exhaustive in my preparation. I, yeah. I spent three weeks preparing for this show, and you and I the night before. And even though you have nothing to do with Synergy, I still called you and we ran down the whole card together just so I could talk to you and get ideas of, of how to get these guys over. Like, And I'm not tuning my own horn here, but it's like y- you want to make sure that you do the preparation. I would never go into something unprepared. And I'm not even just talking about myself here when I'm talking about this criticism stuff. Listen, people give Michael Cole a lot of shit, you know, and, and other play-by-play guys that are prominent, Josh Matthews and... Sure, I'm not saying that all of these guys are amazing at what they do, but when you do critique them, think about this as a fan, they are getting direction from so They're many doing different places. They're a job places. when they break do- it all down. Exactly. And you may not like a guy's voice, and sure, that's, that's on you, but they are ultimately doing what they are told and doing it to their best of their abilities. Even in AEW, where there's definitely less restrictions, they still understand that they have a job to get something over. So yeah. They still have pay-per-views to push. Mm-hmm. Like that's a big thing. I have had, uh, I think, only three or four times when I was ever calling matches, um, I've had like a headset where someone is speaking to me like throughout the show, 
And uh, that's a whirlwind, yeah. man. When, when, like, when you're in the midst of a match and someone cuts your mic and they're talking to you, you say, "All right," like you can't hear what the dude's saying beside you because you got someone in your <laughs> ear saying, "All right." When he concludes, you have to put this over. Like, it's just, man, it's it's pretty tough. Like, welcome when you to get my to life. that stage. Welcome to my life, because on TV, listen, when I'm doing my show, I'm talking, reading off a prompter, and I have a producer in my ear talking to me while I'm talking. Yeah, uh, at the time. that's and, tough. And, and yeah, you just hit it dead on the nail. As you're calling action sometimes, someone will get in your ear and be like, okay, in two minutes, we're going to take this shot. And it's like, how can you focus when that right. is going on? Plus, I had to call the show with a mask on. Which was so hard, I can't even tell you. I was, oh man! Dude. I, I was I was happy. I don't get me wrong. I was very happy that we were wearing masks and everything. But it was so difficult to not have that thing fall off my giant schnoz while I'm trying to call the action here. I felt that too. I was uh, when we were doing the taping of the road. Uh, myself and Paul ringside holding the cameras were obviously in masks. And uh, once once you get to about our. Uh, 10 or 11 throughout the weekend you know it starts to kind of weigh on you a little bit that you're uh running back and forth with a camera and a mask all day but listen i, really, do it. I really did enjoy it though and it was a blast and who knows maybe in the future the john alba randy carver commentary team at limitless could be making its uh, return it's a little little jr paul Heyman action there except reverse. we got to do it i i think <laughs> i i really think that's a going to be a very fun combination when we're able to do that i hope like, so consistently it, like i said it'll be the jr paul Heyman thing just reversed i will be paul Heyman on play by play <laughs> and you will just have to deal with it so and it does listen it helps to have a partner who knows what they are talking about let me yeah hell yeah that's why uh, like that's... i've been very selective um mm -hmm. in limitless wrestling more so over the past year i would say um on who calls what because there there are some like i really love the dynamic of um like a pwg for instance where it would be you got a lead commentator and then you've got uh maybe four or five wrestlers on the show who jump in for a match. And then you've got another like uh, secondary commentator, but we've kind of fell into a groove with myself and Johnny Torres since Max uh, smash master had to back away in September. Um, and I've, I've kind of strayed away from having a ton of wrestlers on commentary. It's kind of been a uh, myself and Torres for the past few shows. And I'll still stick like an Anthony green in there time to time. Sure. Um, maybe an Ace Romero, um, just guys who I know love to commentate. And I honestly like I, I like to offer that aspect up to some of the locker room because there's not a ton of places where wrestlers can really give a shot to other jobs within the business. And uh, I, I think it was a pretty cool avenue for wrestlers to at least, you know, see how they do on commentary. Absolutely. Like we were doing that for Let's Wrestle a ton. Um when we had the commentary equipment, it was just have different wrestlers give it a shot and see how it went. Because you, um, you don't, you just don't want guys who are just screaming the whole time. You know, it's, correct. It's, yeah, it's, it's off putting. It's yeah. off putting, and I don't know. And listen, I, you you get guys who do get over the top, and it creates for some great moments every now and then. But but it can get overbearing. My, and I'll admit this personally: my favorite call in limitless history is Danger Kid doing this. How did you have that on command? Because I have it on my phone. He's dead. He oh. goes, John Alba gets switched to the corner. He's dead. He's dead. 
It was outstanding. I love DK. Hate him, but love him. Um, but yeah, man. So I just, I, I, I really wanted to just take a moment there to divulge. I'm glad we got into it a little bit because it's easy to critique people who are on commentary, but do understand, especially in the pro wrestling realm, it's so much more than just calling suplexes and DDTs. It's intimidating, 100%. Like, it, it's, you have to know a lot, and you, you, especially if you love and respect the business, you really want to go in there and do your best job possible every single time. So um, it gets intimidating sometimes, but it's, uh, it's honestly my favorite, like, asset of the business, I think. Like, I, I really love to do commentary. That's interesting. So who knows what we'll see what's going on here. But uh, you want to bring up Slammiversary. I know you want to talk about before we get into the road here. And I had Ace Romero on Living the Gimmick this past week in what was a pretty fun interview that I encourage you to check out. He actually talked about Impact's COVID procedures there, which I'll get into you in a second. But uh, what about Slammiversary stood out? I just I just enjoyed it. Like, top to bottom, this was the first Impact like pay-per-view that I think I've watched in years top to bottom um at I, least watched like live when well, it was and going. i know back in the day you were a big tna guy i was yeah because they always had the replay on sunday mornings and i could catch that every single week no matter what so uh when i was first breaking into wrestling honestly i was watching probably more tna impact than wwe but um i just thought it was a really cool show there there it really seems like they're taking a new direction and kind of turning a, a corner and uh, I hope that people kind of give them the time of day to do so because a lot of fun matches. I really enjoyed Deanna Perrazzo, Jordan Grace. Um, the North retained the tag titles only to lose them later on uh, in the week to the Motor City Machine Guns who made know, their return. I know when the Motor City Machine Guns came out, you probably lost your mind. Well, uh, let me tell you what happened. Um, we had a little uh, flub in the stream for the uh -oh. first like five or six minutes. So as soon as I got like the, the cable plugged in for the television, Chris Saban was on my screen and, and I'm like, fuck, <laughs> like I missed that. Uh, I was pissed. I missed that music hit because I was, I was ready for it. I didn't know who the mystery team was going to be. And I really hadn't been plugged into Twitter. Everyone else kind of had an idea that it was going to be them, but uh, I thought that was awesome. Um, and there's, there's still like firing on all cylinders. Well, you've said um, in the past, that's a tag team. That's like a dream tag team for you to get in limitless. Yeah, hundred um, percent. I don't know if that's ever attainable, but I mean, two <laughs> two of my favorite. Like, I just think they're Alex Shelley and Chris Saban are such like they're timeless. They're timeless. They they are to me like a crucial part of the TNA tag team division, like throughout their entire history. So uh, really cool to see them back. I don't know. I just I enjoyed the show. Uh, I haven't got to watch this week's impact yet, but I've got to see the previews for the Wrestle House that our boy Ace Romero yes. was involved in. Yes. Um, I, I heard a little bit about what's moving and grooving with that. And that sounds like a really fun thing. I, I got um, a DM from Ace Romero that just said in all capital letters, Wrestle House. And that was it. So. <laughs> I did too. Oh, <laughs> that, fuck. Was, that was all I got from him. But he's he, so excited he, for that. And that's 
gonna Definitely. be fun. I just think it's cool to see that Impact is uh, trying to stay as fresh as possible. Uh, I say that as they just signed like seven or eight former WWE well, talent. Well, but, but that's that's relevant because we talked about this. I can't encourage you guys enough to check out my interview with Ace Romero on Living the Gimmick this past week because that was the first thing I asked him. Uh, you know, what what kind of opportunity does that give you guys? Even though these are older names. And he's like, man, th- this brings in legitimacy to us. This this allows us to create fresh matchups and gives us a rub. And these are all top. I mean, Gals and Anderson are a top tag team in pro wrestling. You know, there's yeah. no doubt about that. And EC3 has reinvented himself again. And there's there's some good stuff there. I I want to digress here though, real quick. You talked about the North Man. <clears throat> I think all ego Ethan Page deserves so much credit for helping get impact back to where it is right now because yeah. he has been loyal blue blood impact from the day he got signed there and has been pushing for the reinvention and he obviously just had that historic tag title reign there he deserves so much credit for their own reinvention I think he's that kind of guy, like wherever he is, whatever home team that he's representing, I think it just took one major company to take a chance on him. And uh, he's been impact tried and true. And, uh, you know, you just you see from so many other tag teams that just say, you know, these two are legitimately one of the best tag teams going and have been for quite a while. And it's you watch their matches and it rains true. Him and Josh Alexander, they have a chemistry unlike a lot of people. Um, they're coming off a historic rain, like you said. And as much as I love them as a team, uh, I think Ethan Page could be Impact Wrestling World Champion. Oh, no doubt. I, I, I don't know why. You know, he's just such a strong person to put in any kind of position that you're looking for within a wrestling company that it just it, it makes all the sense in the world to have a dude who wrestles like he does, who can talk like he does at the top of your card. Yeah, he's he's a five tool player, as Jim Ross would say. And one of the cool things for me was seeing in the main event, Ace Austin, a guy who you and I have talked about, was on a pre-show match in Limitless Wrestling just a few years ago, was seconds away from becoming their world champion at 23 years old. That was really cool because Ace Austin, has, I think we've has, talked about it a little bit. He man. He's got everything. Yeah, and, and he's just busted his ass to the nth degree because uh, a lot of people don't realize like a lot of those – pre-show matches would be kind of you know put together within the last few days heading into a show because uh, a lot of times when we're in the midst of doing pre-shows a lot of those guys would be traveling up with uh with another car load or just traveling up to help out and looking for a spot on a show so uh we'd put something together and ace austin was a standout of a couple pre-show i think he was in two pre-show matches if i'm not mistaken and uh Ended up earning himself future spots on the card. I think he probably was on four or five limitless shows there after that. And uh, this is a dude who did not live around here either. He's traveling up from Ohio. Um, this is actually a funny story. Him and uh, it was on a show that Sammy Callahan was on. I want to say it was the show that uh, Sammy wrestled MJF. So that, that might have been three years ago the other day. Um, Ace Austin and Madman Fulton, ironic that they are now appearing in Impact Wrestling. The two of them drove up without a spot on the show and just just came up from Ohio to come help out and do, do a loop in New England of just helping out to try to get, you know, bookings that's, or future bookings. That's and crazy. 
it's we didn't you know i didn't even know that they were coming until they showed up and started help like i, I literally at the end of the night i'm watching them help with the entrance way tear it down so um I, I never got to never got to use madman fulton yet but that's like something that i always give him props for because that's a dude who was at that point fresh off of uh nxt tv who had been you know released and is now you know really just trying to get himself out there and trying to get work and trying to show that he is not above anybody and just coming to do what everybody else does who's local and he drove hours and hours on end to do it so that's always something that stuck with me about the two of them. So uh, for the two of them, honestly, for that, that entire package, I'm, I'm very happy for them. And I hope everyone understands how much they've worked and uh, how many hours they've probably sacrificed to get to a position where they have this opportunity. Wasn't he? He was an original member of Sanity, I believe. In he was. Yep. Right? He was in the original like packages and stuff yeah. for Sanity. And then I, I, I don't know how long he was actually a part of the group, but it, it there was a change somewhat quickly yeah that's crazy before Is, they went to wwe tv at least where does eric young sit on terms of uh guys you'd like to have on your shows <laughs> um jesus there's, there's a little, I have little to be... chuckle there yeah i don't know i uh i have never been a huge eric young fan he's a very polarizing figure sure um i uh i thought eric young was funny when he used to be scared of his own pyro mm -hmm. <laughs> um and the, OD, I, the odb stuff he did was fun too i didn't catch any of that i yeah. i liked the um the group that he did there for a second that had uh it was like a league of nations style group um names escaping me now but when he turned heel originally for the first time in tna created a group that i think was like sheik abdul bashir uh kiyoshi and a couple others uh i thought that was pretty cool but they never really got legs but um I was uh, honestly, I was interested in sanity when that was uh, mm -hmm. going to be a thing. I, I thought there was some they, they could have made that into something pretty interesting. It, it was but world elite, world elite. That's exactly what it was. Um, I was into that. It was just a new it was a new layer on the Eric Young character. But uh, I'm always willing to be proven wrong. I'm just like at this point in my life have not been interested in Eric Young for a little while. Well, since we're just kind of shooting the breeze about some other promotions here before we wrap things up with the road, uh, Eddie Kingston making his debut for AEW. How awesome was that? That was really cool. Um, Eddie Kingston, a pretty big part of my viewership of independent wrestling early on. Um, he was such a big fixture in Chikara, which is one of the first independent promotions that I kind of seeked out and was able to watch. Um, Chikara was really the first major independent wrestling promotion that I was able to view in person. They came to the Strive Center in 2012 for the Great Escape. And in the main event that night, it was Eddie Kingston versus Sarah Del Rey for the Grand Championship. Talk about, and, talk about an era of the past, huh? Dude, legitimately one of the best matches I've seen live in my life. Um, I recently rewatched it like a month ago, but just Eddie's on another level when it comes to believability in wrestling. And it comes from the intensity that he can show and just a facial to someone. Um, the, the promos are untouchable. I think he's one of the best promo guys in independent wrestling. And when, when Eddie Kingston shows up and wants to come to work, uh, I think he's going to outwork most, if not everyone that's on a show. So um, to see a guy who's been busting his ass and honestly, uh, I think a year, year and a half ago, Eddie Kingston was contemplating retirement and was, was contemplating, 
you know, how, how much, how much further can I get? Where can I go? Because uh, I think a lot of people kind of pigeonhole Eddie as someone who doesn't work on national television. And I just think that's wrong. Well, he, I, I think we saw that in NWA yeah. too, of how he was presented there. It's just, it can be done. You just have to, basically you just have to cut the swears out on Eddie Kingston, you know, and he, they didn't even have to do that a ton last night. No, he proved everyone wrong. He proved everyone wrong. He was amazing. I thought that was one of the more intriguing matches Cody has had in AEW so far. And it's it's a huge credit to Cody, man. That is a guy who right now is all about making other people. And, yeah. And, that's... and I, I think that's the whole premise of this title run, which is awesome. Because yeah. now we're getting... Uh, I'm, I'm interested to see where it goes from here. Because now um, it's... You know, it's not just roster members. We're dipping back into the independents and we're pulling out some stars. And, um, you know, there I don't think there's any reason why you don't offer Eddie a contract after that. You know, why, why make, wouldn't you want that make, guy on your team? Make your pitch. Here's your chance to try to get someone on their radar. What one limitless wrestling talent do you think could challenge Cody for that TNT championship? Oh, that's tough. I mean, do the here's the thing. What, what specifics ride on this? Because we have some contracted guys who we use all the time. Well, I, I'm saying like guys who haven't been given that chance yet in AEW. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, damn, I feel like it's got to be Christian Casanova. I am taught that you took the words out of my mouth. I mm-hmm. I, I think that Christian, uh, in the right circumstances, could flourish on on the big stage like that. Um, and honestly, I think him and Cody Rhodes would be a very fun contest. I think he and I was going to also say either Danger Kid or Aiden Agro. Yes. I think so too. I think both of them. And he honestly, uh, if we had a no DQ style situation, I think an Alexander Lee would be a fun fucking throw in, <laughs> even though it'd be totally out of left field. <laughs> oh, Alexander Lee still literally tried to kill me one time in a pro wrestling ring, even though I sold him my car. It oh. happens. Oh, yeah, it just totally happens. All right. Let's talk the road here. Pretty cool promo. Limitless dropped. I'm not sure if people fully understand what they're going to be seeing. The first episode drops Wednesday, July 29th at 7 on IWTV. So, where'd this idea come from and what is it? Well, um, we obviously can't really safely run events right now. Um, and that's that's something I've accepted. I think the summer is gone. Um, I don't really know, like, shit changes every day, and you're watching professional sports that are changing every day, too, with their outlook on their seasons coming up. So um, on that front, I really don't have any answers, but I did know that um, we could safely run some kind of studio dojo-style taping if we did not do it at the dojo. The dojo, obviously, quite close quarters. It wouldn't really work for something like this, knowing everything that we know now. So... uh, I contacted the Legion Hall where we run Let's Wrestle events and, you know, used to run Limitless Wrestling events and laid out our safety precautions that we're going to put forward. And I talked with I actually talked with your former employer. I talked with JP to see what they were doing um, as it pertained to safety precautions. I talked to Ace Romero about what Impact was doing. Um, I just wanted to get like a clear view of um, how shows were running. I talked to someone from GCW as well, just to kind of get an understanding of all right, how are we how are we keeping the wrestlers safe? How are safety precautions being mandated for something like professional wrestling? 
So we basically got uh, a list of what to do and what not to do together, presented it to the venue. They were cool with us coming in for a two-day taping. So we did basically a, a two-day closed taping at the Legion Hall that was just um, the wrestlers, referees, and um, our camera people. And uh, kept it under 50, which is the, the main restriction. And we basically went by the book of how Maine has been treating um, any businesses or gathering places in a time like this and uh did temperature checks had sanitation stations we sanitized the ring between each match we required masks and social distancing for the wrestlers around ringside but uh we got this together and uh you know it it was very um very closed and concise so it was only a you know a select group of invited talent who uh, appeared in this but it's a really cool hodgepodge of let's wrestle talent looking to make their way to limitless wrestling, limitless wrestling talent looking to maintain their positions when limitless wrestling returns. And we also uh, saw a lot of limitless dojo students. Actually one made their debut on this taping, their first ever match. So um, it's a really cool like melting pot of, of talent who are looking or they're on different spots in the ladder on the ladder and, trying to make their way into bigger positions. And uh, we really got some fun matches out of this. I think it's going to be a really fun series and it's kind of put together uh, like the pandemic at the dojo series was, it was a six episode series when we debuted it in March. This looks like it's going to be more of a 10 or 11 episode yeah. series. Um, you, you told me already, but I think people are going to be blown away when you tell them how many matches did you guys tape? Off the top of my head, I believe it was like 43 or 44 Which in two days. insane. We Well, here's the, the real thing about it is um, Maine's doing extremely well right now as it compares to any other state in the country. But we don't know if in two, three weeks, Maine could be terrible. You know what I mean? Or the world. Uh, there's just no gauging how this is going to go. So... I think everyone was in the same mindset of having a few matches per day so that just in case, hey, maybe we don't wrestle again for another three months like before, um, that there is something that they've done. There is something to get out there. And when the time comes, there is something somewhat new that they can send promoters to get booked. And that's great. Now, there's going to be a lot of people who say, well, Randy, if, if you can have 50 people, why why aren't you running smaller shows with some people there? And, and my argument would be, well, that's not really a profitable way to run. And not, not just in the sense of we need to make money, but you need to be able to pay wrestlers, too. Yes, um, we have to at least cover our costs. Mm -hmm. and. Uh, we kind of went into this knowing that, you know, it's going to it's going to be a loss at first. You got to rent the truck. You got to rent the building. Um, we had uh, li some limited catering there both days. Um, we had a lot of a lot of like sanitizer and cleaning products that we had to acquire. So uh, we put hundreds of dollars into this and uh, it would be awesome to say, all right, let's uh, let's only bring, you know, 12 wrestlers for six matches and have a really small show in Orono. But is that really the experience that we've been, you know, presenting for nearly five years? Um, I, I want to at least get to a point where we can create something that feels like a legitimate limitless or let's wrestle experience and also keeping everyone safe at the same time, which is the main goal. And I honestly, this is, this is a trial run because I wanted to make sure that 
uh, not only everyone was safe, but everybody felt safe about everything. Um, and it's it's tough to this is unprecedented. It's something that we've never done before or even had to think about. Um, but I do think that after doing this taping, it would be I have kind of a clearer idea of when the time comes, what a smaller, um, very, you know, safety precautions implemented event would look like. And, uh, you know, I've been talking with Orno. I think it's more realistic that Let's Wrestle comes back before Limitless. But uh, I've been talking with them to see, like, what the logistics would be. It's obviously going to be a case of um, the state continuing to climb and, and do better and um, getting some restrictions um, uh, relaxed a little bit. But uh, I'm not I'm not going to push too hard before it um, it becomes apparent that we can do it and do it right, if that makes sense. And maybe Let's Wrestle looks a little different. Maybe there's a little more limitless talent on it. Or maybe you start to see more dojo kids. It it, it could look a little different. For sure. And I, I think it will look a little different because uh, I'm not sure. I, I don't know when wrestling returns. I don't know if uh, how many people are going to be ready to hit the ground running again. I was very interested in that fact going into the road because I didn't know, honestly, how many of these wrestlers had been in a ring. Uh, since really pandemic at the dojo was the last time because i think um a lot of a lot of places went into lockdown a day or two after those tapings concluded so a lot of these wrestlers their schools were shut down um or wherever their ring access was was shut down until maybe a couple weeks before these tapings so um i was interested a lot of people didn't show any signs of ring rust like i was i was shocked at how crisp everyone looked throughout these tapings. And it, it did give me, uh, it gave me a sense of hope that, you know, maybe in a, in a month or two, um, there is a, a way to do a smaller event. I've actually been honestly looking at more options to do outdoor events because I feel like that would put everyone at ease a little more than an inside event that's socially distanced. So um, I've been on the lookout for maybe an outdoor event in September uh, I just don't know if anything's going to come to fruition. It obviously all depends on how this virus continues to move forward. Are you a fan of the drive-in kind of show? I am. I uh, I hit up the Bangor drive-in, actually, um, th- a couple weeks ago and never got anything back. But I, I think that would be a cool concept. Um, I just, I don't know. Like, my big thing is, like, if you're... If you're coming to a Limitless or Let's Wrestle show, it should be a, a fun and, and there's an fucking awesome experience. Mm-hmm. And I just don't know if we can provide that right now. There's an expectation. I, I, I think there that. is. I, I at least hold it to an expectation of, uh, you know, wanting more than just, you know, six singles matches just to do it because we want to run a show. You know, well, that... I, I'm going to ask you about this straight up because I know you never hold back here on this podcast. There was a show that was run in Maine a couple weeks ago. Do you feel that was done the right way? uh here's a lot of people have been commenting on that i was not there so i i'm not gonna take something at at face value of what someone else has said and and you know give it my honest opinion but uh my take on it is that it does and i i told mike this i said it does kind of feel like this is jumping the gun a little bit and i said that he had an event scheduled for june originally and that got pushed back but um, from what I understand, I talked to Eric Johnson about it in length because he was actually on that show. And uh, he said that temperature checks were done before you entered the building, which I think is great. And I think that's what you have to do right now, especially if you're doing a show inside. Um, you had to have a mask with you. The, the thing that I think they should have done, if we're just getting totally honest here, is that I think they should have had the fans 100% keep their masks on at ringside. No doubt. Um, 
especially if you're having them inside. And uh, I, I think they did catch a, a lot of flack for that. And my worry here too is that I don't want main wrestling to get a bad name again because you know someone's not taking full precautions with fans in the building. But um, I, I, from what I understand, they are going to be a lot more harsher when their when their next show comes up on the on the mask enforcing policy and. I don't know. Uh, it's tough to say because I wasn't there and I probably won't be at the next one either. But um, uh, from what I understand, some people feel like they did it right and some people feel like they did it dead wrong. And I think that's going to be the case with anything you do right now. But uh, I rest my head easy knowing that uh, with this road series and everyone who I spoke with who attended, uh, I think we did everything to the best of our ability. And uh, that's what I have to keep focusing on. And everyone felt safe. Yes, I, I had no complaints uh, from anyone, and I I messaged a lot of people ahead of time just to kind of throw, before anyone showed up or anything, I, I threw our kind of list of procedures and at, at people, and just, just to kind of get an idea, hey, do you think we missed anything, or do you think um, we should go harder on anything, and I, basically everyone, a couple people actually made great suggestions that were added to our list of procedures. I think Derek uh, threw me something in Dalton, but um, I, I think legitimately everybody felt safe. And I think it was a very, I felt extremely safe and that it was a good environment and that, um, you know, we were, we were doing everything that we possibly could to make this a good, safe, fun environment for everybody attending. So episode one, the cool part about this one, all first time ever matches where the idea come from for that. Uh, honestly, uh, once we got done with the weekend, I kind of sat down Sunday night and looked at everything that we had. And then it's a point of like putting everything in order. We had Harry up as well. So Harry, uh, was able to grab a ton of promos throughout the weekend. He's the one who put together that awesome preview video for the series. Um, but it was, it was basically about piecing it together so that just in case at the end of episode 10 or 11, whatever it becomes, um, just in case we're not able to run another taping at that time, which I, I you have no idea at this point whether that's going to be a possibility or not. Um, I wanted to make sure that everything kind of flowed well for each competitor in the series. Everything made sense because most competitors in this series at least have two matches. So um, you kind of wanted to make everything make sense somewhat like similar to what we did with the pandemic series. Uh, we had a lot of promos to plug in place. So my Sunday, Monday, Tuesday became kind of outlining what each episode was going to look like. And honestly, this this was not done by design. This just kind of fell that way of uh, what I wanted on episode one. And I looked I think I looked literally as I was typing this email out to you for the rundown that these are all first time ever matches. These have never happened before. So I thought that was a pretty cool thing. I guess one question a lot of people probably will have is, are we going to be seeing story like long-term stories throughout this, or are these just showcase matches? So there's a lot of stories actually ingrained in this series. Um, that's, that's one of the main reasons why I wanted to get Harry up here. And um, I was happy that we did uh, because there's like with the pandemic series, it was six episodes. So there's not a ton of deep stories you can do, but we were able to, like we taped everything in terms for the pandemic series as this is going to be a showcase show. And it's just something to put out there before everything goes to shit. And when I started getting going on it, we were able to kind of plug and play some stories in there with promos based on what had happened. This time we went in with a little more 
clarity on like how to kind of put together a series like this and how we want it to move forward with it. So uh, we still kind of approach this in the same way of going to talent saying, all right, like uh, who would you like to wrestle this day? Who would you like to wrestle this day? And then throw out ideas. It's usually myself, Anthony green, danger kid um, kind of putting together what the cards for each day are going to look like, but a lot of it's wrestler input for these. And then we kind of, build off of those so um danger kid armani chaos i'll start with which is the opening match of episode one um this was a danger kid like requested match he wanted to wrestle armani chaos armani was on top of his list and i thought that was a very interesting singles match uh so we we caught up with both of those guys and we caught up with danger kid why'd you why'd you request this match uh, we caught up with Armani Chaos on his thoughts heading into the match. So there's a lot of stuff that's plug and placed in here for not only story development, but character development for those throughout the series. Armani Chaos, not someone who's had too much experience in limitless wrestling, but what can you tell some of the listeners who may not be as familiar with his work? Armani's a freak athlete. Um, he's one half of the high, higher society alongside Paris Van Dale. You'll meet both of them in tag team action later in the series. Um, if you haven't got to know Armani, I would definitely say take a gander back at the pandemic series. He had a very, very fun one-on-one -on -one match with Antoine Nicholas and a tag team match teaming with Love Doug against Waves and Curls. Uh, Armani, I think, is a dude who you're definitely going to see in less wrestle competition when things return. Um, just a freak athlete and very fun to watch and a very different flavor uh, from the New England area. And this is honestly a match that uh, was not on my radar, like heading into the weekend until we knew that Aiden Agro was going to be unable to compete. I wanted to touch on this a little bit because I think uh, probably people will be asking why there's no main state posse tag team matches uh, about, I don't know, it might've been a week and a half, maybe two weeks before uh, the taping of this series, he was at the Limitless Dojo working out with Danger Kid, um, attempted the uh, the R-Truth like spiral forearm. Do you know what I'm talking about? Mm -hmm. Yep. And uh, landed directly on his shoulder. And he posted a like, video of it. He did. There's a video of it where uh, I think he legitimately popped his shoulder out of place and was like laying on the canvas. And we were like, I looked at Danger Kid and we thought he was really really messed up and he uh he sat up shoulder went back into place and he was real like not to, like we were contemplating having to go to the hospital for a hot minute um because it just it wasn't looking great but he uh he was unable to compete because of that luckily went to a doctor um no breaks or anything there might have been a i think he said there was like a muscle strain or a muscle tear but um, nothing that was going to require surgery, something that was going to get better in time. So he is uh, rehabbing that at home and was not able to take part in any tag team action. And for main wrestling fans, that's going to be a bummer because uh, they were going to team up against uh, Champ Matthews and Connor Murphy, who are uh, two longtime uh, main wrestling, uh, I would say legends to the main wrestling scene, especially Champ Matthews, who... I think a lot of longtime main fans are going to be very excited to see later in this series, but a lot of cool tag matches we weren't able to do, but that opened up the opportunity for Danger Kid to take part in singles matches like this. 
And also credit to the talent for being forthcoming, too, because, I, I mean, I can tell you my boy Mac Daniels was going to be involved, too, but he took proper precautions because of a potential exposure, correct? Yes, yeah. We, uh, he, he gave me the Iggy on that and told him to stay home. There were a few people, honestly. He wasn't alone. Like, I checked in. Uh, basically, it was the Wednesday and Thursday heading into the weekend, and I kind of did a – I had like a little checklist almost of like three or four questions that I was throwing at everybody to get a gauge on where everyone was at. And he was in a group of like five or six people who I, uh, who I told to stay home just because uh, I, I did not want to put anyone. Absolutely. Well, and it's just, you, you have to be forthcoming. Yeah. You have to be forthcoming. That's also why it was kind of a closed, concise taping, not, not as open as some others because uh, I really wanted it to be people who I trusted to be honest with me when I when I asked those questions to him because we're we're in such a weird time right now where doing something like this is very tough to do and tough to do right. So I, I just wanted to make sure that we were taking any step possible to make sure that everyone was going to be safe and feel safe. Well, you talked about waves and curls before; they were very entertaining on the pandemic series. They're going to be taking on the Sea Stars, which. If I'm not mistaken, is is this their debut as a pairing in Limitless? So I was actually driving the other day and wondered the same thing. So technically on a Limitless Wrestling event, this is their tag team debut. They have had one other tag match in the world of Limitless Wrestling. That was at a dojo taping last year against gotcha. Rick Bison and Perry Von Vicious. Gotcha. And that's available on YouTube.com slash Limitless Wrestling if you want to check it out. But um in reality, on a Limitless show, this is their tag team debut going up against Waves and Curls, who, as you said, uh, had a very good showing, I think, much like Armani Chaos at the Pandemic at the Dojo Series. These are two guys trained under Matt Taven, uh, Vinny Marseglia at the Kingdom Wrestling School located in Rhode Island. Um, and these were a couple guys who I wondered, you know, I, I wondered what their... Uh, ring time would have been in a in a pandemic you know if they if they had any would they be rusty but uh they were raring to go as were the sea stars so this is a very fun tag team contest you're going to see on episode one and obviously a lot of people are familiar with ashley vox one half of the sea stars but maybe they don't know her sister quite as well they might not because um delmi to my knowledge hasn't done a ton of wrestling in the state of maine i think she's only competed for limitless wrestling um, on festival shows or dojo tapings, but uh, dude, honestly, like this whole weekend was the best I've ever seen Delmi XO straight up. Like, she's she's fresh off a, a little tour of Japan with Marvelous, um, but I think even before that, like I had seen her at uh, the Zero One USA show Northeast that I helped out with with Ava Everett. Uh, geez, I think it was a few weeks before everything shut down. And she was a part of a four-way tag match and I think just looked outstanding throughout that entire match and just has really turned a corner for me on someone who uh, I didn't necessarily not pay attention to her before, but this weekend, like, I, I definitely forced me to pay attention and uh, really see how far she's come as a performer. I'd like to see more women's tag team matches in Limitless Wrestling, so... I, I, especially with AEW announcing that tag team tournament, maybe you'll get yeah. a chance to be exposed to, to some new teams that you haven't seen before. I think so. And I, I, I would hope that the sea stars maybe get some consideration yeah. for that, that yeah, tournament. That'd be great. Uh, Kirby Wackerman and Eric Johnson. 
Have you ever seen Kirby Wackerman? I have not in person seen Kirby Wackerman. I think you're going to extremely enjoy Kirby Wackerman. Um, Kirby, I would actually kind of put him in a similar category with Delmi XO, where it's someone who Kirby's a little different. He's someone who I just I didn't fully grasp the Kirby Wackerman experience when I first met him. And um, he's been another person who is uh he's done, I think, a couple Let's Wrestle events in very minuscule roles. Uh, he's done a couple of the tapings, but it was really up until this taping that I fully understood what Kirby Wackerman was. Uh, I understood the presentation of Kirby. I just kind of all clicked for me at once. I don't know if that ever happens to you with someone, but um, I, I just got it. And I, I was very into what Kirby did throughout this entire weekend. Uh, he has a big, big opposition here in Eric Johnson, who's coming off of a four-match win streak at Pandemic at the Dojo. Um, has been busting his ass in his 16th year of in-ring competition. And uh, I, I thought this was a fun challenge for Kirby because Kirby, he's really trying to make waves in the world of limitless wrestling. He wants to be seen a lot more, and this is the place to do it. And Eric Johnson uh, is definitely a dude to run through if you want to make uh, make a, make yourself noticed. And a killer main event for this card. I'll tell you something. When I worked that Synergy show, there were several people – when I brought this guy's name up there, like that guy is going to be something someday. Ace Romero taking on Alec Price, me, of course, referring to Alec Price. That's a hell of a main event for this first show here. That's a wild main event. And that this one is an Ace Romero request. Um, when we were talking about Ace coming up for these tapings, we honestly did not know if it was going to happen until the week of. Um, as soon as we knew it was going to happen, he said, can I work Alec? And uh, uh, this is one, this could be on any Limitless Wrestling show. Um, Alec has come such a long way, and Ace has been, you know, obviously paying attention to that if Alec was first on his list to wrestle. Um, I don't want to give anything away with this match or the series, but uh, this is one to watch. I mean, this is this is like main event caliber for any show that we ever run. Um, it, it was awesome. And it was awesome in the moment. It was awesome to watch it back. I think I've watched it back three times. So um, this is one that you're going to want to go out of your way to watch. Uh, I think it's it's a very cool look into the present of Limitless Wrestling with Ace Romero and the future with Alec Price. That sells it right there, folks. So July 29th, IWTV, will you be posting these to Limitless Social afterwards or are they just running on IWTV? Yeah, so I can kind of give the layout of how this is going to work. So it's going to be Wednesdays at 7 p.m., so the hour before AEW and NXT air. Um, typically, these episodes are going to run between 45 and 55 minutes, so you'll still have some time to flip over to your channels and put them on. If you don't have an independent wrestling.tv subscription, you can sign up using the promo code Limitless. Get yourself a five-day free trial. There's 25-plus Limitless Wrestling events on there, plus I think 200-plus promotions on this streaming platform now from all over the world. So um, it's a really good deal. You can get the five-day free trial, and then it's $9.99 a month. Um, but, yeah, it's going to be every Wednesday, 7 p.m., starting next Wednesday, the 29th. Um, it's going to run at least for 10 or 11 weeks and, uh, it's going to be posted on their Wednesdays. Then we're going to start YouTube release on Thursday. So it's going to be match by match throughout the end of the week. And then I think on Friday evenings, 
we're going to do a live stream on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash Limitless Wrestling. We're going to do a live stream of the episode. So if you didn't catch it on Wednesday, you can catch it on Friday uh, on the rerun on facebook.com slash Limitless Wrestling. So uh, that could change. But as of now, we're looking at Wednesdays on IWTV. Thursdays begin the YouTube releases and Friday will be a rerun on Facebook. Well, it's great to hear. I'm really looking forward to it. I can't wait to see some of these matches, especially as they go on and the surprises that will come with that. Randy, before we wrap up, uh, two things. Number one, next week, let's do an Ask Limitless. It's been a little while since we've done one. Yeah, I would like that. Let's do it. Let's get some Ask Limitless going. So send in your questions. Hashtag Ask Limitless at LWMain at John Alba at Randy Carver underscore LW. I get that right. Uh, Randy, Randy underscore, underscore Carver, Carver LW. LW. Randy under, underscore Carver LW. You're not verified, so you're not very important to me. Wow. Um, but at least you didn't get locked out of your Twitter account. So that's, that's, that's true. <laughs> you were in dire straits there for it three was, or four days. It was looking pretty bad, but it's it's okay. Um, but the last thing, Randy, it's opening day in Major League Baseball. I know you're excited for that. What's your uh, What's your predictions here? Uh, I don't know, man. It's it's kind of tough in a season like this, but I have been watching a t- any any baseball that is on the television lately. I've been throwing it on. Um, you know, I, I could do without the piped in crowd noise. I do want to say that. I, I wonder what your opinion is on the piped well, in crowd noise. Well, did you see noise. that Fox is going to run their games with automated fans, like animated fans in the crowd and in their promo <laughs> in their promo video showing it? They, they advertise that the fans are going to be doing the wave. And I got so many tweets this morning. I'm not exaggerating. I got so many tweets this morning. <laughs> At John Alba. Ha, ha, ha. LOL. Joke's on you. Ha, ha. Ugh. You take the fans uh, out of there, but the wave just continues on, uh, John Alba. It's, it's just, it's, you can't get rid of it. So they do it in the video games, too. I know. So who's your pick? What, what are you going with here? I'm I'm not picking against the Boston Red Sox. You're going with the Red Sox still? I always go with the Red Sox. It give, doesn't matter. Give me the Dodgers over the Rays in five games in the World Series. The Dodgers are going to be fucking nasty this year. Um, and I think the Rays it, are going to win the American League. You really do? I do. I think they're the team that's best set up for a 60-game sprint. That's fair. That's fair. It is a, it's just a weird season, man. It's mm-hmm. just a weird one. It is. Um, I want to say, can I say one more thing before I forget? I meant to mention this earlier. Um, With each episode of The Road, we are going to have a page on our website that we're going to share that will lead you to merchandise links of the wrestlers who are participating. Or if they don't have merchandise links, it leads you to a place where you can actually tip the wrestler personally. So um, if you'd like to support the wrestlers who are involved in this series, uh, we're going to set up a page that we're going to drop that's specifically for that, and it's going to lead you to links if you'd like to support your favorites on the show. So um, when you're when you're viewing, just keep the lookout for that. And uh, if you'd like to throw some dough to your favorite wrestler on the show, uh, we'll have an opportunity for you to do that. Very nice. Very nice. Check out The Road Drop in this coming Wednesday on IWTV. Thanks for tuning in, folks. We'll see you next time.